The MEAC should try to expand, but leave the idea of adding PWIs in the past. The Legacy Bowl's impact is being felt already in his first year. Also, Will Adams and Felix Harper have been signed to the respective teams. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And when the mic cuts off, know that the journey is not over. You can follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives to continue this ride going. The MEAC should expand. I wholeheartedly believe that. But if the idea is adding PWIs to expand, yeah, y'all can y'all can leave me out of that plan. I just, I don't like it. And that statement comes from the question that's been in my head. I, I didn't, nobody else, I didn't get this from anybody else, but I haven't really talked about it with many either. But it's the idea of would adding a PWI dilute the MEAC conference. And this comes from a while ago. I've seen, a, I've seen an article just saying that the MEAC would not rule out adding PWIs to expansion. And this was a while ago. I, I, I'll admit that I have not heard this talk recently, and I hope that means that the talk is over, and that's not what they're trying to do. And they have absolutely no plans on doing it. But expansion is still a hot topic with the MEAC. And because it's a hot, a hot topic, well, you got to have the PWIs in there in that conversation, you know, um, not for what I think you should do. But as far as it was on the table at one point, you're still sitting here talking about expansion. Who's to say that is not on the table now? And to me, it's a last resort. Let's talk about how we got here. There doesn't seem to be anybody in the CIAA that wants to join the MEAC. It just doesn't. And I know there's people that they want to grab, but it just does not feel as if they want to come to the MEAC. And if they don't want to come to the MEAC and you want to expand, PWIs might be your last resort. I don't want it to be a resort, period. You know, if you if you're if you're judging by the beginning of this and you're listening to the tagline, the question the answer to the question of would adding a PWI dilute the MEAC conference for me is a resounding yes. I know that Chowans in the CIAA, and personally, I don't like that either because if it, it, it makes them feel as if they can be a part of things like the Legacy Bowl, which, frankly, I don't think that they should. I don't. They're not an HBCU. And we'll get into that, but I would love to know how my Chowan people, or not my Chowan people, how my uh, HBCU people feel about Chowan being in a CIAA. How do my CIAA people feel about that? How do my Chowan people feel if you're checking this out? How do you feel about being in an HBCU conference? How does that feel for you? You know, for my, like, does the, the large percentage of, of black population on campus make the, the integration of a, of a non-HBCU more acceptable in your conference? 
You know, th th these are things that have to be answered or I would like to hear the answer to. So y'all know Twitter at South Exclusive. Y'all can tweet me if you want to leave a comment below. That's fine, too. Um, but just let me know how you feel about it. For me, I don't think PWIs belong in HBCU conferences. And just as a simple statement there, it's like, oh, well, duh, that just makes sense. But I know there's a lot more nuance to it. Now, the reason I feel this way is because the MEAC is special because it houses HBCUs only. That's what that's their thing. It is an HBCU conference, right? That's what makes them unique. What makes all these other conferences are regional. Like we know that. Well, what makes the SEC unique? What makes them special? Is it the fact that they are dominant in football? Dominant in baseball, they, like they have good teams in a lot of sports. Is it what is it? The organization to me, those are all things that make them better. And when you get to these power fives, when you get to these group of five, when you get to all of these conferences, really, what separates them is being better than the other. Or I, I'm ran better than you. Uh, my teams are better than yours. Like it's 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 things of that nature. For the MEAC, the SWAC, the CIAA, the the SEAC. All of these things, what separates them is the fact that they're unique. It's not about being better than one another. It's about being unique because they all house HBCUs. That's what it's meant for. You add a PWI, to me, it kind of waters that down because you're not exclusive anymore. You're not. You're still an HBCU conference. That doesn't change anything unless you just go and you add six PWIs. Now you're kind of a half and half, you know? You, that's that's what kind of what you are. But until that day comes... You're sitting here, you're still in HBCU conference. And when you put on a smaller scale, let's talk about a singular team, right? When you look at just a single team and you're thinking about a Tennessee State, a Hampton, a North Carolina A&T, they've all left HBCU conference. They, they do not belong to an HBCU conference anymore. I don't think that they lose anything for me, or as far as they don't lose their roots, I should say. What they lose is the idea of competing against HBCUs every single week. Is their brand diluted? No, not in my opinion, because you're an HBCU no matter where you go. You're consistently going to be representing that. You can't shake it. No matter if you want to try, you cannot shake it. So they don't have their, their, their brand diluted to me. They lose some of the experiences, yes, um, but no, they're not diluted. But I look at a conference on the other hand, because you had a team going into a, a non-HBCU conference. But what about an HBCU conference welcoming welcoming in a non-HBCU school? Well, to me, that is dilution because your roots are different. As at your, at your core, your roots, you are an HBCU conference meant for HBCUs. That's it. That's what you're supposed to be. Now, desperate times call for desperate measures, and you might change. I already don't like that the MEAC has, has some, some PWIs and, belt and bowling. But you can cover that up because people ain't really supporting bowling like that, if we're just being honest. You can't do this in football, basketball, baseball even. You know, people are going to notice this and people are going to have things to say about it. What are you going to say about it? Personally, I'm going to say that I'm not a fan of it. I don't want PWIs and HBCU conferences. And that's not because I don't think that these two entities can mix. It's just the fact that this conference holds so much importance because it is for HBCUs. It's just some, I have no, and this comes from somebody who has no problem with HBCUs going over there to, to, to other conferences. I just, I just, I'm not feeling this. Nah, leave the PWIs out of the HBCU conferences. Let's keep what makes these conferences unique intact.
That's how I feel about it. Let me know how you feel at South Exclusives in the comments below. I would love to know if you agree with me or if there's any other reason that you say no or yes. Let me know there. I gave you the, the places to go. Now be there. Also, I want to talk about the Legacy Bowl because the Legacy Bowl's impact, it didn't take a bunch of years to get, get, get felt. No, right away you were able to see this Legacy Bowl helped the number of HBCU players who are landing on rosters right now grow exponentially. I am so happy that this event has happened and it should continue going forward. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market, bar none. They are honestly the Swiss army knife of protein bars because if I named all of the flavors and I just ran down a list, you would think that it was unhealthy. You would think it was sweet. You wouldn't think that it had 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar, four net carbs. You wouldn't think those things because the flavors wouldn't say it, but it's, it's flavorful. It's good for you. And it can just be a snack because it still tastes good. Mind you, it still tastes good. And it's a protein bar. So it's healthy for you. All of these things come into play on why I call this Swiss Army Knife. And then they also have the Built Puffs. Wow, these things are amazing because in addition to the chocolate that the regular Built Bars are covered in, it's also protein-infused marshmallows. It doesn't make any sense. But what, what does make sense is using the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer when you go to Built.com. All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, make sure that you're checking out the Locked On NBA Big Boards podcast hosted by Rafael Barlow, host of NBA Draft Junkies and also author of the NBA Big Boards newsletter. He's host or he's joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin to give fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, and of course, as the name suggests, Big boards right and today's word of the day is hark back meaning to turn back to an earlier topic or to go back to as an origin and i want to talk about the legacy bowl and just how impactful this has been in only a year there's only been one legacy bowl and this has been extremely impactful and you could tell that the legacy bowl twitter page put out a tweet last or this weekend that really got me thinking about how impactful the game has been and how quickly that it happened. And that tweet was saying that 29 HBCU prospects have either been drafted, signed on as undrafted free agents, or just got a camp invite. And that is remarkable. That is absolutely remarkable. And it got, like I said, it got me to think about how fast that this happened and how quick that it was. And we don't need the event to go on for years upon years to be like, oh, look at what the Legacy Bowl has grown into. We don't need that. You see it right now. This is a successful draft cycle. If you remember, I talked about how many HBCU uh, players or rookies, prospects, they were prospects at the time, now they're rookies, how many of them are going to land on a roster? That was my third marker of what success was. And right after the draft, I allowed my emotions to get the best of me. And the fact that the player in Marquise Bell, who was my favorite HBCU prospect, didn't get drafted. I allowed that to come in and maybe sour a little bit, even though they didn't hit that five threshold. And that was part of it as well. But the truth of the matter is this was a successful draft cycle. It was 29 players on a roster, whether that's a camp invite, whether that's a UDFA, whether that's a, a draft pick. 
29. That's that's nearly, well, when you look at it, I want to say that's nearly an average of one per team. Just off some quick math. I think it's close. Um, it's, it's, it's close. I don't want to do the math right now with how many teams it is. But it's a little under one per, per team. So this is really a great step. It is a phenomenal step. And I understand that there was a lot of attention and a lot of spotlight on HBCU athletics, especially with the climate and everything. I get that. Like, take the Legacy Bowl out of it. There was a lot of attention on it. But there was a certain responsibility from HBCU media, such as myself. There's a certain responsibility for the athletes. There's a certain responsibility for the the um, leaders, the people in, in positions of leadership, to just not drop the ball. See, the attention and the spotlight is there. But if you're not performing, it's really not going to matter. Like, I, I, I sit here and I think all the time that I'm part of the Locked On Network, right? But when this camera's rolling, if I'm not doing anything or if I'm not doing the right things as far as putting together the, the, a good show, if I'm not putting together accurate content, if I'm not doing these things, not entertaining, man, it don't matter. It doesn't. What it's about is, am I going to do what needs to be done when the lights are on? And I try to do that every day, Monday through Friday. They had to do it for a year, and they did especially the people in point, in positions of leadership. The Legacy Bowl that had been in, in talks, they had been trying to work on, this was a phenomenal event. It was. It, it had a career fair for players. It had week-long activities as far as practice and things of that nature. And it took excuses out of the, the minds of scouts. You didn't have to see him, but man, I didn't want to go over there and over there and over there. No. All these players were were put together in one place for you to look at. Right there in New Orleans, Louisiana, everybody was there. You had some of the top SEAC uh, players. You had some of the top CIAA players. You had some of the top SWAC players, some of the top MEAC players. Everybody was there. Excuses are gone. Same with the HBCU Combine. It's the same thing. So it's not just the, the HBCU Legacy Bowl. It's also the Combine because everybody's there and it's just us. There's no more getting lost in the shuffle. You can't get lost in the shuffle when it's just you. You know, it's a bunch of HBCU players. People are going to get lost in the shuffle, I guess. But as far as HBCU pride goes, you don't have to worry about HBCUs getting lost in the shuffle. And I really felt like this was a big time move. It elevated a lot of people. And we're going to talk about some of the people that elevated as well going forward. But I just wanted to make sure that everybody was listed out that I gave everybody their props and I did specifically talking about the legacy bowl specifically talking about the, the HBCU combine. We seen these people get an opportunity to shine. See the players who were going to get drafted, were going to get drafted. I Williams, Durant, um, Houston, Carter, they were going to get drafted, but 29, we hit 29 players. That's 25 more. And there's a lot of players in there who, at these combines, at these uh, these legacy bowls, they made their name. They put their name on radars for people because everybody was there. It was easy. You want to see one player? Well, you got to see 50, 60 more that you didn't know you were. You might have been interested in. That's That was the, the platform, the showcase. That was the benefit of a legacy bowl. And that's why I think that it's, an, it's a great event. I'm glad that it's going to continue going forward. This is the event that you can already see. 
I promise you, without the HBCU Legacy Bowl, without the, the HBCU Combine, even with that extra attention that's been on HBCUs all year, you're not seeing 29. You're not. That's the impact of the Legacy Bowl. And we have two players in Felix Harper and Will Adams who were both at that Legacy Bowl. Will Adams was at that. Well, actually, both of them were at the HBCU Combines. They're both benefactors of these events. We're going to talk about how they were able to impress and sign with their teams going into camp for 2020. Two. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online because BetOnline.net is the best place for all of your sports wagering. And we just watched the Mavericks absolutely demolish the Suns. I did not see that coming. But what I do see now is we have the Western Conference Finals, we have the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's time to start putting your money down. You got Buck, excuse me, you got the Celtics versus the Heat. The Heat. Then you also have the Mavericks versus the. Why did I just catch a brain fart? The Mavericks versus the Warriors. I've been talking about this series this whole time. But who is your money down on? I'm still thinking about Luka going crazy uh, in that in that final game, game seven against the Suns. That's all I can think about is the Mavericks, the Mavericks, the Mavericks. But, yes, so go put your money down for it, man. We have the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We're almost at the big one. We're almost at the NBA Finals. So, in the meantime, Go put some money down on that. If that's not your thing, you can bet on MLB, UFC, um, favorite Vegas casino games if you want to. Whatever you choose, you can do that on Bet Online because they are the fastest and easiest. Where the wage on all of your favorite sports, Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, Will Adams and Felix Harper have signed undrafted free agent contracts after impressing in a move that I hope continues throughout all of the offseason. That is HBCU players who are camp invites being signed to undrafted free agent contracts. Now, I thought that Felix Harper was already signed. I've seen multiple sources say that Felix, Felix Harper had already signed a contract, but I guess that was not the case. But let's first get into the road the road that he had to travel to get there, right? Now, as a camp invite, you kind of understand that there's there's somewhat of a pecking order. It's somewhat of a pyramid, and it's all rookies. So you have rookies that were drafted, undrafted free agent rookies, and you also have camp invite rookies. So to a certain extent, you got to outperform what is – because you're on the bottom level. So you got to really be better – then the UDFAs, a lot of the draft picks you might not, you know, you're just not going to beat. But you understand that you have to really step up because they chose you last. They did. Your particular team chose not to draft you. They chose not to give you a – specifically, they chose not to give you a contract. Instead, you're an invite. So you have to really come in and impress. And that's exactly what Will Adams and Felix Harper did. Let's start off with Felix Harper because Felix Harper is a guy who, like I said, I thought already had a contract. I've seen it in, in at least three different places that he had a contract. So when I saw the news that he was signed to one, it was like, oh, okay, I guess he was, in fact, a, a camp invite. They were just, you know, got some bad information. But it was a situation where he worked out with Deshaun Watson during the offseason. And I guarantee you that Watson saw something out of him. Because if he did or if he didn't, he wasn't going to be a part of this team. He wasn't. I'm not saying that the relationship is the only reason he's there. Not at all. I've seen Trigger Man. I've seen Felix Harper. He is a talented quarterback. What I am saying is that working out with Deshaun Watson 
if Watson thought he wasn't all that, this isn't happening. Deshaun Watson isn't going to be like, yeah, yeah, bring him in. No, I and actually, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun Watson went to the Cleveland Browns and said, you should pick up this guy. He's a good young quarterback. Or if they already had interest and Harper said, yeah, I, I have a relationship with Watson. We worked out during the summer. I'm going to go there. And in a way, Harper's Harper's path is very parallel to Aquil Glass, especially now that they're both camp invites. Both of them are going to be, or at least looking to be, Harper's already achieved this, and Glass is in the midst of rookie minicamp right now, so we're not hearing anything thus far. But they're both going to be the fifth quarterback on the, on the, on the roster going into training camp. Now, here's the little difference that Glass is going to have the starter, two veteran backups, and then Kyle Trask, a young quarterback. But when you look at Felix Harper, Felix Harper is going to be the fourth quarterback in camp at some point, we suppose. So you're going to have the starter, two veteran backups, and then a young guy. He's not as young as Kyle Trask, but he's still a young guy in Baker Mayfield, a guy who's still on his first contract in the league. So I'm still going to consider him a young guy. But Baker Mayfield is going to be gone. We think we think Baker Mayfield is going to leave. And if he does, that puts Harper at number four. Now, if they decide to keep only one veteran guy, either one, Tampa Bay or Cleveland, now you'll you'll see. I don't well, actually. I don't think it matters for Aquil Glass. I think Aquil Glass is going to be on the practice squad because there's a young guy. Now Harper, if they decide to go with only one veteran instead of two, you could see Harper being that third guy. Harper could legitimately be the third guy on a 53-man roster throughout the duration of the year. It would not shock me. It also would not shock me if he ends up on a practice squad. But I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, okay, Baker Mayfield's going to leave. Josh Dobbs. Um, who else is that? Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is a really good backup quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is going to make that team. Josh Dobbs might make that team. He might not. He really might not. You might get the rookie. And if if you don't, then you have you always you always have the practice squad, right? But I, I really do see a way that Felix Harper gets on his 53-man roster, you know. And if I'd have known he was a camp invite, if I'd have known he was a camp invite and really thought about it, I think he would have been the, the camp invite that I chose to make the 53-man roster last year. And you know, it's it's anybody, so it really does not matter. But that guy has an opportunity set up right in front of him. That should work wonders. Now let's move into Will Adams, a guy who Commander's Media has already said would be a really good practice squad player. And that might sound like they're minimizing, but I don't think that they are. And I actually think that they're correct. He is a really good practice squad prospect in the sense that they're looking at his good but not great production statistically. And then they're also looking at the fact that, I mean, his size could get some work. You know, but let's look at the, the big thing with Will Adams. It was a, there's a reason why I thought he might have got drafted very, very late. And that is because he's the type of guy, when you look at his measurements, as far as what he did at the HBCU Combine, you can't sit there and not get excited. It, Will Adams is completely a guy who you sit there like, oh, I can do something with him. That guy over there, he might not do, he might not have the greatest stats, but I can do something with that because he's jumping out the gym, broad jump, vertical jump. His explosiveness is clearly there. You see it. 
during the L drill. His explosiveness and his ability to move is clearly there. And if I got a, a, an athlete of his caliber, somebody where it's like, man, you can't teach that athleticism. When I have that, I can fit everything else in. I can, I can get your technique right. I can teach you to do the things the way we want them to be done. I can do all of that. Maybe a year on a practice squad. Get your bulk up. Get your weight up, right? So we're talking about size and refinement for Will Adams. And I think that, that that's why he's a perfect practice squad player because with all of the measurements and all of his, his explosiveness, you can't tell me you can't find something to do with this guy. You can't tell me that. Now, it's just, this is something I thought was pretty cool. At Virginia State, his defensive coordinator used to play for Washington as a defensive back. And then he started coaching. And when he got his coaching, the, the, the defensive coordinator, of course, when he started getting his coaching start, it was under Jack Del Rio. And Jack Del Rio is now the current Washington defensive coordinator. And I just thought that was a real dope story. It was all full circle. I really did enjoy it because I love stories. But speaking of full circle, Let's make that full circle and come back tomorrow and make Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day. Again, we're going to be talking about some of these rookies who are in rookie minicamp because they already had the first section of them go about last week. But now we're looking at this weekend and or the weekend that just passed, I should say, because there was a couple of players who have been standing out in there in their respective teams, rookie minicamps. We're going to be talking about them now. For your second listen of the day, make sure that you're checking out some of our other conference shows in addition to Locked on HBCU. Go check out Locked on ACC, right? You got Candace Cooper, friend of the show. Go check out Locked on SEC, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Pac-12. Go check out those shows right now. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.